Amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody tonight, and then be seated if you would please. Amen. All right. I remember singing He is Able years ago, and I remember uh, went to camp one summer and, and uh, took my little, my little guitar and sang that song. I, I, I thought I was the second coming of John W. Peterson. I don't know, but anyway, uh, sang that song. I did not fully, as a child, understand, as I do today better than I did back then, the fact that God is able to carry us through. He takes us through impossible situations. How many of you have been facing an impossible uphill climb, an impossible challenge? And you know what I'm talking about. When that is the case, that's when our faith is proved. That when it can't be anything but God. When there is no way out but up then that's it. And that's when we come to that point, we say, yes, Lord. And we allow Him to have His way. Well, praise the Lord. I want you to turn with me tonight to Acts chapter 27. I want to get right into the Word of God, Acts chapter 27. This is the Apostle Paul. He has learned well. What he is going to say is uh, a, an echo of what our Savior Jesus Christ said again and again, and again, and again. Now, where was Paul in Acts chapter 27? He was aboard a doomed ship. You talk about uh, destiny. Uh, his, his next encounter was going to be with the sea. The wind, the storm, the rocks, all of the treacherous possibilities of a shipwreck. And he was through more than one shipwreck in his lifetime. In fact, over there, as he writes to the Corinthians, he tells them how many times he was shipwrecked. Well, he was probably in a few more than that before it was all over with. Here we have in Acts chapter 27 and verse number 25, the words to which I refer tonight. Acts 27, 25. Wherefore, sirs, this is Paul speaking, be of good cheer. All right, they're on a boat that's about to sink. They have no place to go but into the water. They've got to commend themselves uh, to the sea and whatever merciful result might come from them trying to make a swim for it in these impossible circumstances. And he says, sirs, be of good cheer. Now, what is the basis for that? It should be the same basis that we have for everything that we do, every, everything that we are should be based on this. Here it is. For I believe God. How many of you tonight can say amen to that? I believe God. Has He ever let you down? Has He ever pulled the rug out from under you? Has He ever failed to keep a promise? Has He ever not come through? I believe... Got my hand up. I believe God. I want to say to you folks out there that are viewing tonight, or whenever you're viewing this in the future, I believe God. This is, this is my declaration along with the Apostle Paul that God always comes through. We trust Him, and regardless of the outcome, God comes through for His glory, for His purpose, whatever it may be, and we just get to be a part of it. In this case, Paul gets to be part of a shipwreck. It's a if, if you want to consider it a successful shipwreck, I've, I've been in a few of those, preacher. Uh, 
I would, I would say, um, I've been part of this successful disaster. I've been part of this successful failure, part of this successful shortfall. And when that happens, you see, it's not as man keeps score, is it, that matters. What, what matters is that it comes out for the glory of God. It redounds to the glory of God. Everything we are is, is not dependent upon it turning out the way we want it to turn out. Are you listening to me? A shipwreck can be the backdrop of a blessing. And it was. We preached on this in the last several months, and Paul uh, gets stranded on this island, gets bit by a snake, and everybody says, oh, he must be a really bad man. Look, he got bit by a snake. Then he didn't die. And they said, oh, he must be a god. And that's what you get when you <laughs> deal with fickle people. They go from criminal to he must be a god. But um, the Apostle Paul had great opportunities that he would not otherwise have had had God not allowed this shipwreck to take place. First of all, he got to trust the Lord. Amen. Trust the Lord. And that's what we're supposed to do. So, sirs, be of good cheer. There it is. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. I'm glad that so many people are reading through the Bible. We are reading at the rate of uh, two chapters in the Old Testament, one chapter in the New, Monday through Saturday. And then every Sunday we have five chapters, uh, three in the Old Testament, two in the New. And as of today, we should be Numbers chapter 8 and Luke chapter 23. That's where we should be. And we're on schedule to finish reading the Bible in one calendar year. And I hope that that great host of hands that was raised last week when I asked, how many of you are trying to read through the Bible? I hope everybody finishes. And I don't know if everybody will finish together, if they'll get it all done in a year, or if they'll get it done in a year and a half, but I hope everybody reads it through so that we can stand before the Lord and not be ashamed because He's given us His love letter, this book, this inspired book. And He didn't just give us this book so that we could occasionally fall back on it. But He gave us this book so that it could become a part of the fabric of our life and character and so that we could chew on it and meditate on it day and night and bring up the cud, so to speak, when we're facing the challenges of life. If you're not going through a challenge right now, let me just tell you, that's just the calm before the storm. You're about to go through... <laughs> You're about to go through something. If you're not going through something right now, and you're a Christian, I promise you, I guarantee you, within a short space of time, you're going to be in the middle of something. When that happens, what do you need? You need the Lord. And how, how, do you, how do you get what God has for us? If, if you don't take it in and chew it up and, and meditate on it, how are you ever going to face the challenges of life victoriously? There are some people who try to go from problem to problem and just operate based on their gut instinct, based on their emotions, based on, you know, the popular opinion or how somebody else suggests. And uh, they, they might be in some kind of survival mode, but they are never going to have the privilege of living by grace and becoming all that God wants them to be until they get into the book, until they get into the Word of God and the Word of God gets into them. All right, so... Good cheer. That's what Paul says. And he's just quoting the Master, Jesus Christ. The problems and the challenges that I have just begun to refer to are inevitable and, and intricate parts of our daily life. 
Our life for God is comprised of many different kinds of challenges that no person is going to be successful at unless there is total dependence upon God and His Word. I believe God. I believe God. So, be of good cheer, because I believe God. Be of good cheer, because it's going to turn out the way we want it to? No. I believe God. Be of good cheer, because all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. What we need to do, as we said this morning, I left you with this thought, polish the boots. Polish the boots. I, I believe that's the most telling illustration on being a Christian in the face of those that, that the devil would use to try to tear you down so you won't live the Christian life, so that you will seek vengeance. You'll try to get even. You'll try to make it happen yourself. And we have to get over this. We, have, we so have to get over this. You know, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. No, you're not. Leave it to God. Leave it to God. All right. So the challenges, they, they're intricate. They're, they're inevitable. There they are. Someone has said that man's extremity is God's opportunity. Man's extremity is God's opportunity. So in the midst of that extremity, that difficulty, we can say, be of good cheer. I believe God. Be of good cheer. I believe God. To people that were in need in the day of our Savior Jesus Christ, He repeatedly said, be of good cheer. I have written them down. And uh, we have uh, cases in, in all the Gospels. He says it to a blind man. He says it to a man uh, with palsy. He says it uh, to several others. Uh, and we, we see... Um, a lady in distress. We see so many cases. If you look up all of the cases of Jesus saying, be of good cheer, the person at the moment was kind of a hopeless case. And he said, be of good cheer. The reason he was saying that was not because necessarily they could figure it out. But Jesus was there. Jesus was in the midst. Jesus is always and uh, continues to be the answer. Be of good cheer. He has a cure for every trouble, whether it is sin or it is disease or disability or, or fear, whatever it might be, we find these good cheers spoken by Jesus Christ. There it is. Number one, I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. As I was looking through all of these, and I only selected three tonight because of the constraints of time, but in Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9, it says in verse number 1, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. Now, palsy, as we think of it, is a, a term, a medical term, that is used for a disease now that's not the same as palsy then. Palsy in Bible times meant the loss of your limbs. Uh, you still had them, but the loss of the use of your limbs, rather. And uh, so a man might have two arms and, and two legs, and he's got hands and feet, but he can't use them. He's, he's helpless. This is the picture of, of helplessness. You've, you've, got, you've got your extremities, you just can't use them. And, and how awful that would be. I've 
seen people on beds of affliction, people that have been through accidents, people who have uh, had other debilitating experiences, and they just are helpless. There is no hope, it appears. And uh, Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now you go on and read the entire account. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, because he's God, you see, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts, for whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But now that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. You see, if he hadn't done that, they would have said, Well, it's very easy for him to say, Your sins are forgiven. But what can he do for this man's real problem? To them... It was going to be one or the other, and for Jesus Christ it was both, and he took care of him, and he arose and departed to his house, but when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. So there it is. He says, be of good cheer uh, with respect to sin's pardon. Put it down. Sin's pardon. This morning I spoke on the various aspects of God's great love being expressed through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that, uh, that He made for us. He paid the debt because we couldn't pay it. And that's still the case today. He says, be of good cheer. I am amazed at the people who have claimed to have been saved by grace through faith and you wouldn't know it from their face. They look like uh, they, are, they have a permanent case of something horrible. You know, indigestion, something terrible. And it's a shame because we should be showing, we should be reflecting on the outside how glad that we are not going to hell anymore. How glad that we are that we've got a Savior within. How glad that we have a hope. How glad that we have a finished, completed salvation in Jesus Christ. And it's not one of those deals where you go to a church and they say, oh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and then hang on. Right? Kind of like God gives you a shove and then you got to roll like crazy. You know, he gives you just a little, little gust of wind and then you got to provide the rest of it and you got to finish it up. I was saying yesterday out in visitation, never ran into so many people who felt like they had to do something to be saved or stay saved. One, one lady from a, a Central American country said, oh, I don't know that I'm going to heaven. You have to work very hard. You have to work very hard. And that's, that's what they're taught. They will be told that by their priest. And that, that's a lie. And so I quoted, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I said, Senora, Senor, I said to them, I said, Mas importante excepto Jesucristo en su corazón. I was talking to them in a little Spanglish there. Um, now, I don't know if they understood anything that I said. But, but Neil, who was with me, who does not speak any Spanish, was highly impressed with me. But anyhow, they were nodding. They were nodding. They were getting some of it while I was talking to them, right? And tell him, and I handed them flyers and tracts and so forth. And I said, in effect, here's what I said. I said, you're talking about good works. And here's the thing. Before you get saved, all your good works are like filthy rags. After you get saved, after you ask Jesus in your heart, he helps you to do things that please Him. 
Those things don't save us or keep us saved, but those are because we're already saved. And it's like the light dawned. It's like a brand new, they never heard that before. And there are a lot of people today being lied to. Here we are, we've got salvation. It's absolutely free. We understand it. We understand, uh, we don't understand why, but we understand the fact that we have been saved. We didn't do anything to get it. We don't do anything to keep it. God does it all. And praise the Lord, we've got that, and yet we don't show it in our face. We look like we've got a bad case of indigestion. Uh, a preacher and an unsaved soap manufacturer met on the street. And uh, the soap manufacturer kind of sneered and said, uh, the gospel you preach can't be very good, for there are still a lot of wicked people out there. And the preacher was silent until they passed a child that was making mud pies. And he was covered with mud. Anybody ever have somebody do that? In your family, maybe you did that. I don't know. But just covered from head to toe with dirt and pointing to the, to the little kid, the little, little guy covered with mud. The, uh, the preacher said to the soap manufacturer, your product can't be very effective. There's still a lot of dirty kids in the world. A lot of people are still covered with mud. And... He said, my soap cleans only those to whom it is applied. And that's what the preacher said. That's exactly right. Same thing is true with salvation. Same thing is true. Whosoever will may come. Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But if you don't bother to do that, you're still going to be just as dirty as that little kid, only in a spiritual way. That's it. We should be of good cheer. You want to know? Because we've been washed. We've been cleansed. We're the ones that have come to God through Christ and we've experienced uh, this, this brand new, made over salvation. Praise the Lord. I'm very thankful that not only is my record clean, but I now have the potential in and through Jesus Christ to be clean. Think about that. I, I can be clean before my Lord. I can be victorious on a daily basis. And I can show the joy of Jesus to other people. And that's what I want to do. Don't you have any problems? i got plenty of problems. But there's no problem greater than the joy of Jesus. There is nothing in this world that I will face that is greater than the cheer that Jesus gives me through sin's pardon. Amen. Put it down and believe it. God doesn't ignore our sin. He forgives our sin. He pardons our sin. And that means He literally sends our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. The sinner receives forgiveness when he repents, believes, and that's what happens. We call on the Lord and He saves us. And the greatest, the greatest encouragement that we could ever receive, we receive from Jesus Christ. Be of good cheer. Be, and and Guess what? Thy sins be forgiven thee. I've heard those words by faith through the Word of God. I've applied that to myself. And even though I still, you know, I still got to go to him, 1 John 1, 9, I can be clean before my Lord. I can have victory day by day. And I can exude cheer. And that's what we all need to do. We leave here tonight. We need to make sure that we have confessed and made everything right so that we can go out of here with good cheer. We can tell people what a joy it is to be saved. And people don't have to wonder, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with her? All right. 
So, Paul learned it from Jesus. Paul said, be of good cheer. I believe God. Jesus said, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven thee. And off that palsied man walks, he takes up his bed and he walks. Praise the Lord. All right, turn with me back to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, Mark's Gospel, the 6th chapter. Mark chapter 6, be of good cheer. Once again, here in Mark chapter 6, verse number 45, And straightway he constraineth his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. When he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Think about that. Jesus Christ, before he did anything, before he in, engaged in any great work, he always uh, went into a, a season, uh, a session of prayer. Praise the Lord for that. So there he is in a mountain praying. And when even nighttime was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And when he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them in about the fourth watch of the night. So this is, this is early in the morning. He cometh unto them, walking up upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a, a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And he went up unto them, into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure, and wondered, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. They didn't have a receptive heart to believe that this one who had fed, you know, uh, the multitude with a little bit, and uh, had worked that miracle, also walked on the sea, and he is the Savior of mankind, and he is the one who comes to us and says, be of good cheer when we are in the midst of our storms. What kind of storms do we have? People describe uh, interpersonal problems. Um, they describe financial shortfall. Uh, they describe uh, a personal, uh, perhaps, disappointment. Uh, maybe, maybe they didn't uh, realize uh, some area of achievement or uh, something didn't come through for them. And so consequently, there's disappointment, frustration, uh, a lack of funds, a, 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 a lack of fulfillment, and, and they're, they're feeling this great big empty hole, so as it were, and, and that can only be filled by Jesus Christ. They say, why should I have any cheer? I didn't, I didn't realize my dreams and aspirations. I didn't get what I wanted, I, what I had hoped for. And Jesus comes walking on the water to them, and they're scared to death. They think it's a spirit. They're immediately interpreting it in the worst possible light. And it's just Jesus Christ, and he says, Be of good cheer. It is I. It is I. He's saying, You don't need anyone but the Savior. Be not afraid. Jesus Christ spoke this cheer to his disciples disciple as they were in a boat facing imminent destruction. Yet the consciousness of Jesus' presence brought them strength and encouragement. Even though their hearts were hardened, they didn't fully appreciate everything. They had Him. 
And that's what I want to speak about right now. Not only do we have sin's pardon, but we've got the Savior's presence. He has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He's not going to let you down. He is going to be there with you to the end. And praise the Lord. He's with us to give us the, the inner confidence, the power, the courage, the faith that we need to conquer in life's challenges. Uh, I think when I read the 23rd Psalm, each one of those verses in the Shepherd Psalm has very special meaning to me. We've preached it, taught it, uh, we've, we've uh, used it in just about every funeral for 50 years. And each one of those verses is important. I think about the fourth verse, which says, For thou art with me. For thou art with me. From a shepherd's standpoint, he being the great, good, and kind shepherd, I being the sheep, there's one main thing I need from the shepherd. I need him to be there. When the wolves, when uh, the other challenges are there, uh, getting lost, uh, uh, maybe not having a, a food source, uh, whatever it might be, I need the shepherd. And that shepherd will never leave you. There it is. There are sometimes when we decide to go off on our own, and we know about the, the wandering sheep, don't we? But where does the shepherd go? He goes over the cliff, he reaches down, he picks up that sheep, he brings them back. We have a picture of the, of the sheep straying and straying and straying and straying, and the illustration is given of the... Middle Eastern shepherd who takes the little sheep, the little lamb eventually breaks the legs, then binds them up and carries that sheep until the legs heal. And when the, he the uh, healing is done, that little sheep never strays again because they've been through that experience with the shepherd. And they, they don't blame the shepherd for the broken legs. They, they understand that this was because they were constantly straying. It's in the nature, it's in the, the wandering uh, spirit. And so to to solve that, the Lord may put us through some painful experiences and we say, I just don't understand why you did that, Lord. Well, the Lord knows what's best. And uh, if He needs to break some lamb legs, He's going to do that. Just to keep us from running off and running off to self-destruction. The, the good cheer that I experienced this week and uh, just about every week of my life is the presence of my Savior, Jesus Christ, when facing what otherwise might be destruction. It could be self-destruction. It could be destruction at the hands of the world or the devil. But I know that He keeps me from that because He's promised to never leave me. So be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Let's move on a little bit further, shall we? I want you to turn over to John's Gospel for just a moment. And we've been just about through all the Gospels tonight. John and chapter 16. John chapter 16. Lord Jesus Christ is speaking to His disciples uh, before He goes to the cross. He's prepping them. He's getting them ready for life, how it's going to be when Jesus is gone and we've got the other comforter who has come. And uh, we read all about that in the 16th chapter. Uh, so, so many good things. Uh, the work of the Spirit is so important, and we see that beginning at verse number 7. John 16, verse number 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, 
it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Let me just stop again and say we have gone through some of the most difficult days because friendships of nearly a half a century have been in the balance, uh, weighed and, and, uh, and we've faced the following choice to stand up for what's right or to stand up for an erring friend that needs to be committed to whatever God's hand may include to bring that one back. And that's not easy to say, Lord, it may be painful, but bring that one back by whatever means you have to. We have, haven't we, sweetie? It's been very, very hard, very hurtful. But you know what? It's made us stronger. There is absolutely no way I'm going to compromise. There is absolutely no way I'm going to give in. Right is always right. Wrong is always wrong. And there's a reason for us to stand for what's right and not to compromise. Until you come to that place where you say, right is always right, preacher. Right is always right. And, and you stop thinking, I've got to find a way to compromise so that I can have both. Folks, if you are a child of God, you belong to the King of Kings, there is no way you're going to have both. You have to make a choice. There's a line that's drawn. That line was drawn a long time ago. It was drawn, of course, for me at Calvary. But it was drawn for me when as a little boy I said, Lord Jesus, come in my heart and save me. And he took me lock, stock, and barrel and made me his own. And I belong to him. I am not one of my own. I'm one of his own. I belong to him. Jesus Christ is mine and I, I am his. And, uh, and there's not going to be any compromise. I am not going to compromise. Draw the line. There it is. Very simple. So what about the consequences? What if, what if nobody stands with you? Well, I got my wife. She stands with me. Wasn't easy, was it, sweetie? But we did it. And we continued to do it. And here we have the work of the Holy Spirit who constantly comes alongside of us because He's another comforter. Another comforter of the same kind as Jesus. And He comes alongside and he, and he says, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm in you. And what is right is right. I will reprove the world of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father, Jesus says, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. It's a constant, a constant challenge in this world. And the biggest challenge that Christians face today is that big C. I'm not talking about cancer. I'm not talking about coronavirus. I am talking about the big C of compromise. Compromise. May God keep us from compromise. May God keep us on the straight and narrow. And then he says in verse 13, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. 
And he goes on and he says, All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. There it is. People will not understand why a Christian will take a stand. Because they think it's more important to just get along, whatever that means. But I'm here to tell you that if the Christian takes the stance that he or she is just going to try to get along with everybody and try to make everybody happy, here's what's going to happen. You're, you're not going to please the Lord. When we start talking about love, the, the, the world and backslidden Christians get real loose on that subject, don't they? What they're talking about is giving in, compromising, giving up. And we absolutely cannot. We absolutely cannot give in, for there is a high cost that has been paid. And there is, there is a testimony to be maintained before a lost and dying world. And so what they want is they want for Christians to act like the world just as low and just as lousy and just as, as, as unchristian as the lost world is, so that when that happens, they feel okay about themselves because, after all, here we got these foolish Christians running around trying to be like the world, trying to go where the world goes, try, trying to do what the world does, trying to, trying to watch what the world watches on television, try, trying to be like the world is in every respect, and they want... And that's exactly what the world, the flesh, and the devil want. They want us to come down so they'll feel okay about themselves in their sin. Meanwhile, they are lost and dying and going to hell with absolutely no hope, and there is nothing to look to as an example to say, why, those people are different. They've been transformed. Why, they've got the witness of the Spirit within. And the very witness of the Spirit within us causes the sin to be exposed on the part of those who have not yet trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. There must be a great difference between God's people and the folks who do not make any claim on Jesus Christ as Savior. There must be a great difference in order for people to see that Jesus really does save. He saves, He keeps, He satisfies, He's in that business. How can I keep up, preacher? How can I keep up? I'm going to hurry ahead because there's not enough time for me to cover every aspect of this. But Jesus is talking to His disciples, telling them that He's going to die, He's going to rise from the dead, and they are going to, to have some challenges ahead. But the challenges that they're going to face, this, this trial that they're going to face, this difficulty that they're going to go through, they will be strengthened in that, in that difficult hour. In verse number 29, His disciples said unto Him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now, we, now are we sure that that uh, thou knowest all things and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, 
that ye shall be scattered every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Here it is. Here it is. Third time he says this now. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's the world system. Not the world creation, not the world population, but this is the world system. He has overcome the world. Be of good cheer. There it is. The good cheer, as we have already said, of sin's pardon. Secondly, of the Savior's presence. And now, His sustaining power. In the face of tremendous pressure to cave, to give in, to give up. We just, Tyler, we just did the March devotionals. There's still some folks that probably think we come down here at 6 in the morning and uh, we do this program live, but no, we don't. We, uh, we usually, we pick out a, a weekday and for about three hours, poor Tyler has to put up with, uh, with my playing the piano and speaking and sometimes multiple takes. Now, this last time, I, got, I nailed it on just about every one of them. I think I had two where we had to do, uh, go back and take two, take two. And so often these songs are fresh, they're new. I've just taken a scripture or I've just come up with a, with a scriptural idea, a hook or whatever. And, and my, my music is, is not, uh, oh, anything extraordinary. It is what it is. It came, the Lord gave me what I have and I am who I am. I am who I am by the grace of God. But uh, as, we're, as we're doing this Music, and as we're going through all of these different things, and we, I was working at it, and was working at it, and was working at it, and was working at it, I I discovered, you know, that there there are there are some challenges in in sitting down and doing that. But God gave us the power. God gave us the ability, and we were we we're able to get it done. We were able to get the job done, and hopefully. Don't have any idea who it'll affect. But every time we have one of these come out, within, within 24 hours, I, I'll get a text back from somebody who'll say, that was exactly what I needed. Or I've been humming that song all day long, that scripture song all day long. God's been speaking to my heart. God's been dealing with me about this thing or that thing. And I had no idea, I promise you. There are some who might say, well, it, it, was, it was just kind of like, you put this one in here and you put that one in there. And I had no idea that on that future day of that future day of the month that there would be somebody who would need that exact, that precise thing that God would meet their need as they faced pressure to quit, pressure to compromise, pressure to cave in. And instead they were strengthened by the Word. They were strengthened by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God, the other comforter, has come. And He resides within all of us. And He helps us day by day as we face our individual challenges. And there is nothing so great that God can't help us through. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Be of good cheer. In the world ye shall have tribulation. 
But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus promises us for all the troubles that we as His followers, as His disciples, as believers in Him, would ever face. Be of good cheer. He says, I've, I've already defeated the devil. He's already a defeated foe. Now, if, if we try to go up against him in the energy and the witness of the flesh, we're going to fail. Again and again and again and again. But if we have the whole armor of God, we're filled with the Spirit, we're facing uh, the devil and the flesh and the world based upon the promises of the Word of God, we are going to win. We're going to be victorious through Jesus Christ. There it is. He says, I've won the battle over your enemies. You can win too if you appropriate the power, the promises that I give you. Amen. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Anybody who's linked to God in this world can be victorious. We can no more be defeated in this world than God can be defeated if we're trusting in Him. We are standing on those promises. If we're believing God, if we're looking to Him, if we're appropriating that power, we can no more be defeated than God can be defeated. If God before me, who can be against me? Praise the Lord and be of good cheer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed. Ever I close, how many of you tonight say, Preacher, I needed that message. Something in that message spoke to my heart tonight. Slip your hand up high. I needed that. Amen. Amen. God bless each of you. We are going to sing a, a hymn of invitation in just a moment. I trust that if God has spoken to your heart, you'll come. If you haven't been saved, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you desire baptism or membership, I'm going to encourage you to come from where you are. If you're not saved, pray something like this from your heart to God. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Won't you... Come forward if you've received Christ. Won't you come for baptism or membership? Won't you come and have a word of prayer?